The Download with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 5, Season 3, and welcome back. We are deep in the thick of the first week of soccer and volleyball as we welcome back fall sports. For those who are new to the podcast, I will start by breaking down the games and stuff that I saw in the past week. Then I'll give you a schedule of what we will be covering on Channel 1450 in the next seven days. And then we will get to a special guest. Let's start with what I saw on Monday. The big-time volleyball matchup in 3A. Rochester hosting Taylorville. The Tornadoes without Maisie Fleming for this one because she was on a family vacation for the start of practice, so she didn't have enough practices under her belt to be able to play. But the Tornadoes put up a great fight. They forced Rochester to three sets, but you could see once the Rockets settled in and started to figure out their roles, they were ready. On Tuesday, I was in Chatham, hoping to catch soccer and volleyball matchups between Glenwood and Uhi, but because of the weather, had to miss the soccer game, but it didn't matter much. The Titans dominate. Miles Calderon scores five goals, and Glenwood wins easily. I stayed inside and caught a great volleyball game instead. The young Titans looked amazing. Allison Anderson started a bunch of freshmen, and they pushed Uhi to three sets. Vanderbilt commit Rachel Ogunley and the Snow Sisters helped the Pioneers win. Both teams will be very good this season in the CSA. Mark my words. Now let's get to what's coming up on Channel 1450 on Thursday. Rochester Volleyball travels to Pleasant Plains. The Cardinals won their school's 1,000th career game on Tuesday. An impressive stat for the Birds. Thursday should be a great game between two great programs. On Friday, we get started with week one of high school football. I will be in Peoria for the big showdown with Rochester. We will also have highlights from SHG at Normal Community, Porta at Williamsville, Auburn at New Berlin, and Lincoln at Lanphier. On Saturday, we plan to have some highlights from Glenwood and Rochester soccer in Chatham, as well as some highlights from the Lutheran High Volleyball Tournament, which will be played at Glenwood as well. And then Saturday night football, Danville at Glenwood, at Memorial Stadium, U-High, and Springfield. On Monday, next week, we get started with another great volleyball game. Williamsville is at Rochester, and we get a big-time Central State 8 soccer game, Glenwood at Springfield High. On Tuesday, Glenwood is at Springfield High for volleyball, Taylorville is at Pleasant Plains for volleyball, and Rochester is at Jacksonville for soccer and volleyball. Next Thursday, we will get a rematch of the 2A state championship last season, Peoria-Notre Dame, at Glenwood for soccer and Rochester is at U-High for volleyball, but that's next Thursday. We'll talk about that as well on next week's podcast. That's it for what's coming up. Let's get to this week's guest. I have Williamsville athletic trainer, Kurt Turner, joining this week. I'd like to welcome in Kurt Turner this week to the podcast. It's uh, it's an interesting week, and I thought it kind of fits perfectly with you know everything going on and the cancellations to talk to you about some things, but uh, let's just start with you know how, how, how are you feeling going into you know, a new season of, of fall sports and everything at Williamsville. It is crazy to me that we are going into a, a new season. Um, I feel like all of these other seasons just ended. I feel like we were just in summer enjoying the pool and doing all the vacations and stuff. And next thing you know, like football is here and we're ready to go tomorrow. Volleyball's had games. Um, you know, soccer, unfortunately, this week we haven't had any <laughs> games. But um, so it, it's kind of a whirlwind, um, but it feels good. Um, always excited about the start of uh, a new school year, excited about all of the athletes coming back. It's been fun to, you know, get them all back in the building and, you know, just kind of have that fun in the, in the training room and stuff. So it's it's fun. Everybody's healthy so far. I hope we keep it that way. Right. Um, across, yeah, across across all the sports. So everybody's, everybody's doing good. Everybody's looking good. Um, I wish this heat would go away right now, but here in a couple of days it'll hopefully be gone and 
it'll be back to business as usual. It feels like, you know, last week was just the award show where we saw you at the yeah. airport, and then you're like, you know, you get a week off or so, and it's like, well, time for, to get ready for football season, and I'm sure it's the same way for you, where you try to enjoy the summer as much as possible, but there's always that, that clock ticking, like, okay, once August hits, it's it's done. Well, not even that. Somebody told me with a, an almost two-year-old at home now, too, um, which it'll get crazy as they start to get into school and whatnot, you know that, uh, yeah. with your two at home. But once you get to the 4th of July, someone's like, the summer's basically over. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> like, I feel like the 4th of July was two weeks ago, but also a decade ago. Yeah. So, like, you hit 4th of July, and then it's like, football's really ramping up, you know, out of Williamsville especially. We're doing the four days a week type thing, and then next thing you know, like, we're here, first game. You know, you talk about football season starting and, and volleyball and everything else, but you talk about it starting and you're like, oh, we've got time. And yeah. the next thing you know, game one's on us. Yeah. We're arranging all the doctors and the athletic trainers and working through the heat issues and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and summer's different, like you talked about, with a, a one-year-old, almost two-year-old, where, um, you know, you can go on trips or whatever, but that's almost more work for you than it is yes. an actual vacation. Like, yeah. my wife and I did take a trip to Mexico where we left our kids here. Somebody watched them. I mean, they didn't just stay at home. <laughs> but, but it was our five-year anniversary, so we said, you know, we're, we're taking yeah. four days to get away because, you know, realistically, I don't see her that much throughout the year, so it was it was good to get away, and I don't know how you feel, but it's yeah. the same way where you kind of have to make that time. Yes, and we, we've kind of gone through that. Um, he He's our only child, so, you know, we, we love him to pieces. I want to spend all the time he can with him, but at the same time, we're starting to realize after almost two years now that, like, yeah, you do need some, some you time. And right. so we've talked about the same kind of trips and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, we went to the Ozarks with him, and it's, it's so much fun doing the water slides and hanging out in the pool and everything. But like you said, you got to load your car with more than you have at home, it <laughs> oh, feels yeah. like, and try to lug it all up the stairs and stuff. So yeah, it gets crazy. All right, let's go back to uh, kind of your beginning in, in athletic training and how that got started. Did you always know that was the case, or what, what did you kind of do in high school that kind of led you into pursuing that? Honestly, I had no idea. Um, I born and raised in Jacksonville, went to Jacksonville High School, um, tried to play football, but it only lasted a little while, and then played basketball um, pretty much all four years. Um, I had a little lag my junior year, um, but we didn't have a full-time athletic trainer. Um, so Chris Rodersky is actually still on our team now. He was the athletic trainer when I was in high school. I got injured a few times, you know, sprained ankle, just the general stuff kind of basketball-wise. And um, I would just kind of do my own thing. Um, I actually had another teammate of mine that would take my ankle every day. Yeah. And then um, I would do the ice buckets after practice and that sort of thing. We kind of did it on our own. Chris was there, and he was great, but he, he wasn't full-time with the school. Right. Um, so that's the little bit of background that I had on athletic training. And then didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. Um, I knew that I loved sports, and I knew that I was never going to be a professional athlete in any capacity. Um, so then, at the time, I was going to Lincoln Land just to kind of get started, um, in Jacksonville mostly, a little bit over here in town. And then my girlfriend, wife now, at the time was at Illinois State, and then my sister was there too, so I kind of had a connection to Illinois State. Um, always loved it when I visited, so thought, let's look into things. And it's kind a of fun time when you're in college. That's yeah, sure. kind of looked at, kind of looked at the sports thing, and they had an athletic training program. I was like, oh, that kind of sounds up my alley. You get to stay close to sports, and ISU's a great college, like you said. Yeah. The town is fun. I still live in Normal, actually. Um, but Bloomington Normal's a blast, and so it just kind of fit. And then I kind of got, the further I got into it, and learning what it was about and all the – you get to rotate with the D1 sports up there so you can spend time with basketball and football and yeah. kind of see all the things. I was like, hey, this this could be it for me. And so the more I got into it, the the more fun I was having. So that's kind of how I got my start. Um, so graduated Illinois State, came back to Jacksonville. They had a PRN role, so it wasn't a full-time role, but I got to spend a lot of time at Jacksonville High School, which 
at the time, a lot of my best friends were the coaches, um, which a lot of them are still there, more so in an admin role now. But just getting to spend time with the athletes is fun, number one. I think you can, you know, associate with that. And then being with your best friends, it was like, you know, a dream job. And then it just never worked out. Uh, you know, no um, ill will to anybody over there, but there just wasn't a full-time position. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting on with HSHS over here, running the acceleration program which no longer is there, but a lot of the athletes went through that at that time, bigger, faster, stronger type program. But always knowing that I wanted I wanted a home. I wanted a school to call my own. I wanted to have those coaches, those relationships, those athletes um, to say, you know, this is kind of my yeah. my home. Um, and so I ended up getting on with Rochester after there was kind of the whole, that whole mass exodus thing with the clinic and everything else. But um Got on with Rochester for a year and then ended up losing that contract um, to Springfield Clinic, which, again, it all works out in the end, right? Yeah. Um, so no ill will towards anybody. But, yeah. um, so then from there, I went to Riverton for two years, and then that's when the hospital shut their program down. Um, so I spent two two years out there, and it kind of worked out with Riverton that I was also kind of there in a part-time role for about four years before mm-hmm. that. So loved my time at Riverton. Um, got to know all those people well, but again, it wasn't home. Like, I had never been anywhere for more than two years. Yeah. And so that's what I was looking for when I came on with a clinic because like I want I want a home and so now starting my seventh year at Williamsville it's it's been a blast it's been a ton of fun Williamsville is a it's an amazing community Williamsville Sherman um you know not even just that the athletics are fun but the relationships the coaches the the atmosphere I mean you could throw the icing on the cake with all the facilities and yeah. want a football state championship and all that stuff is so much fun but um, it's more so the people. So that's kind of, you know, just rolling into that in my whole athletic training career. Like I said, uh, I joke to some people that my career as an athletic trainer was probably a bust up until about six years ago because <laughs> I always want to, you know, you want to get familiar, you want to get comfortable. Right. And I never had that. And so then, um, again, no ill will towards anybody. I, I loved it. I think everything happens for a reason. But being at Williamsville now in my seventh year, it's, you know, I can say that my athletic training career has taken me good places well kind of even as you know with a you know a young child like you want a routine and they want a routine like you want to be comfortable and then you can really excel and do your job and feel like that you did kind of that's kind of what i see when you say that sort of thing is yeah you can kind of feel that and i think any in any job starting over is hard yeah that's scary and and the two-year thing almost to me made it worse is like you just start to get comfortable enough and people start to understand. We at Springfield Clinic and the sports medicine department say it takes three years to get fully invested in your community. They know who you are. You know who everyone is. They're finally comfortable. Like, oh, you know, Derek knows what he's doing now. Yeah. Send my kids to you to be treated or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so then that, that kind of that restart every two years and learning new names and new faces right. and new routines and new buildings and, you know, facilities aren't always the same. Like even with Riverton, they might play football two miles away at the middle school but then soccer at the time was on the north side of town and it just it was hard always having that that restart and that's yeah so just being now familiar and having those relationships and that routine like you said going nice going back to the education part of it i i remember back when i was in high school i kind of thought the same thing like oh you know i'm not going to play anywhere but i wanted to be involved in sports in some way so i actually did like shadow with pete i remember shadowing with pete for a day and it was so cool just to, like, go along and see that. Um, but then, like, I looked into it, and I was like, I'm not smart enough to take that many science classes or, like, that sort of stuff. So what was that interest for you, and, and what was that like? You know, what did you kind of excel in in terms of college? You definitely could have done it um, because it, it, if I can do it, anybody can do it is what I would say. <laughs> um, but 
for so for me, even like the and especially in a lecture hall type stuff. When I got to Illinois State, it was hard for me. Um, I, I consider Jacksonville to be a smaller town, um, but being from a smaller town. I always worked well, more so like in a one-on-one. So like the Lincoln Lane was perfect for me. Um, and then going to Illinois State, I remember the big lecture hall with 300 people for like a physics class. Like that was tough. Um, but the nice thing about athletic training, it's morphed a little bit um, the, with the way the profession is going into a master's level entry. But at the time, it was really nice because you had like, my wife made fun of me. I said this with... Um, gym the other day but the book learning side of it um you had the book learning the end you did that piece of it but then it was hands-on you got to actually do your clinical rotations yeah um you had practical exams so you actually went one-on-one with a professor and you had to say like okay evaluate how would you do this special test or where is this landmark or whatever and then you got to sp- like spend time with whatever setting you preferred so i did a lot i, I always enjoyed the high school setting i enjoyed the college as well but college is a little more demanding mm-hmm. um especially a d1 school like illinois state or even a, a smaller school up there illinois wesleyan um but getting to go out and experience okay what what are what interests you the most and getting to do that i spent like a whole football season i think he made even a season and a half with normal community high school which is you know a big change of scenery from a smaller school like Jacksonville yeah. going to a big normal community. Um, so getting to see how they run things, how the athletic trainers handle things. Um, so that was the best piece for me is you get to learn what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're bad at, all while you're doing the academic side of things. So that's why that that worked out for me in undergrad. Um, it was great. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, a lot of the conversation with athletes in high school is, oh, I don't really know what I want to do, so maybe I'll try that because it's the same. Like, I want to be around sports, but, you know, I I mean, not to prop you up or anything, but it's a hard job. It's not just like you just walk into it and do it. Like, there's, you have to learn a lot of things, but at the same time, it's, you know, time demanding, like we talked about earlier with, you know, a different sort of schedule. But um, what would you say is kind of the the hardest part or the hardest thing that you had to learn or, or overcome? I think the the hard, like you said, the time commitment, um, and then how to juggle all at once. Um, and I, I think you can respect that with with what you do here. Why you, some people might think you're just out holding a camera and you're you're you know schmoozing with people, and that's that's part of the job. So yeah. people see me on the sideline, and I always joke that no work is good work as the athletic trainer. But no one necessarily sees um, all the the time that goes into it, the prep, like. And I'll, I'll talk about football because, you know, um, we're in the midst of starting our first game, but th- there's more kids on a football team naturally, so you'll see more kids and you'll do more things. Um, but I, I, d- I did a before and after. I follow a lot of athletic trainers on social media. But everyone was saying, like, what is your before and after? And so you, you show the training room and all your tape nicely stacked and all this stuff, and at the end of it, it's like a tornado went through. So, you know, it's, it's like just your two-year-old kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's tape pieces thrown everywhere. You've gone through 20 rolls of tape, and I probably do more taping than some people do around here. But... Um, just that piece of it, the behind the scenes stuff, all of the injury evaluations, even in a quick setting of like a quick, you know, they run up to you and you need a finger looked at or um, stuff like that. So just all that behind the scenes work, all the prep, all the prevention, like, you know, this week really hitting it with hydration on Monday Mm -hmm. to get ready for Friday. It's not like you just drink a bottle of water on Friday and you're (laughs) hydrated type of thing. That'd be nice. Yeah, Yeah, it would be nice. (laughs) Um, And I think sometimes that's how, um, I'll harp on my, my Williamsville guys. I think that's sometimes how they think it works. Oh, I woke up Friday at 8 a.m. I drank a bottle of water. I'm good to go Friday. So I ate um, three things at McDonald's and then showed <laughs> up and didn't drink any water. And exactly. Had four uh, sodas at lunch, and that was good, right? Yeah. And the, uh, the, even with on top of that, like the energy drinks right now, and I was uh, even talking to some of my 
my volleyballers last night about energy drinks and it's like come on guys like i know you're playing in the air conditioning but hydrate 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 eat the fruits the watermelons that have the water and stuff so yeah that's not cool to do i mean that's not yeah it's not fun. matthew myers out there talking about drinking five monsters at night <laughs> and playing video games so Which you know that's yeah. he's a d1 athlete yeah should be fine you know so some <laughs> sometimes it's that easy um but i would say 95 percent of the time not so easy yeah so let's just since we kind of talked about it you know the the big buzzword this week is the wet bulb what is the wet bulb and where did that come from and why is that um, relevant and important for what you do and why and how you're keeping kids safe. I see it all all over. I can't get away from the term wet bulb bill thermometer right now. <laughs> I've never heard that before uh, this week. And either. that's what everybody's been asking me and it's actually not been around. I, I say it's not been around very long in sports specifically. Um, I was even talked to Adam Euchre. My AD was in the military and he was saying and I know which is just from reading but it was in the, used in the military a long time ago. It'll measure the heat stress is what it measures. So um, when you talk about going out to participate in sports or activity outside when it's hot out, you want to consider more than just how hot it is, um, what the temperature is reading and the heat index, which a lot of people look at, um, which is a good measurement for the most part. Um, but a wet bulb globe thermometer, and the nice thing about those is the IHSA actually got a grant from the NFHS, the National Federation High School Association think is what it stands yeah. for um doesn't matter yeah um but they had a bunch of grant money and so the ihsa actually sent them out to every school cool. in illinois that i i believe um yeah. i don't know if every school got them i think that some of our smaller schools that we're not at full-time don't have them yet but um they sent them out and it's great so they sent them with a tripod um, so you can actually set it up on the surface and instead of just getting your phone out and looking at what the heat index is and knowing for a general area generally when you look at the heat index it's not measured in sunlight um, it's measured in a shady area doesn't take into account like the um, you know it does take into account the humidity but like things like direct sunlight um, the merit the barometric pressure um, you know all those different things and gives you a number so that's the nice thing it's objective data it's not like you have to go outside and oh it feels pretty good outside to me um, and I've even played with it a little bit this week of the measurements that are directly in the sunlight versus in the shade uh -huh. and you'd be surprised at how much it fluctuates and then you throw it on a surface like the turf uh -huh. which we all know turf is hotter than than grass so when you add all of those things in it's nice to have just one device and generally it was at no cost to any of the schools around here that you can set up and they give you guidelines in different zones that you can practice in and they give you modifications so if you're in the orange zone they want you to take x amount of breaks per hour and and that sort of thing and so it's phenomenal for us as athletic trainers and i think for for school districts as well that it gives you objective data that you don't need to just guess. We're not guessing anymore. And research changes all the time, right? Like right. We're, getting, we're smarter now than we've ever been, theoretically. Um, <laughs> well, and the, yeah, some the, may argue, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but, so the research is always changing. And so if we say now we know we can give you just a general number and say you don't have to read all these different things and yeah. have to know heat index and versus humidity and blah, blah, blah. It just throws a number at you. It tells you what you can and can't do. Um, why not use it to be safer? Um, and, you know, I was looking at something just before I came in here. Somebody, an athletic trainer, shared on Facebook that I think in the last three years we've lost like 18 kids between the ages of 13 and 20 to heat, directly related to heat-related illness. Yeah. Um, most of them were exertional heat stroke. And all of those were preventable. Heat illness, um, heat stroke is 100% preventable. So why not? Why not be safe? We all know it's hot outside right now. We all generally know we shouldn't be out there, you know, doing 
20 yard sprints, 100 yard sprints, but this just gives you better data. And so that's the nice thing about wet bulb. And everyone, I was even talking to, uh, you know, one of the kids that runs the Williams of Wire Simcoe last night, and he was like, I never heard of that. And it's a generally new process for sports or, yeah, for athletics. Um, and we've all gotten them to use as tools. So now it's just great to be able to give you an objective reading at any given moment in a specific location. Like yeah. I know what it is on the turf football field versus the baseball diamond. And yeah. that way we can be as accurate and as safe as we can. So is it the same number across the state of like, okay, if if the number is higher than this on the turf, you can't play, you can't warm up? It, like what are, what are those kind of guidelines? The IHSA does put out a guideline. And there's a nice little chart that breaks it down by zone. Green zone is anything I think under 79 um, point nine, and again, this isn't like you read because then you say the cutoff is seventy nine point nine, and someone looks at the temperature is eighty five, and I can't go. But no, this is like a wet bulb reading. It's yeah. not like a. It has a unit. I probably should know what it is, but um, there is a nice little chart. So then it'll break down in the yellow. I think yellow is like seventy nine to eighty four. Let's say, um, for sake of not having it in front of me. And then you go red zone, like 85 to 88, and then so on and so forth. Anything above 89.9, you're considered in the black zone. No competition, no practices can occur. Um, I was, I've been in communication with a bunch of athletic trainers across the state this week just to kind of see how different people are doing different things. Um, and I know the further south you get, the further things change. Like I want to say even as far south as Texas, they have a different rating because it's always hot there. So there's May, instead of being 89.9, there's might be 92 or 93. Yeah. Um, so it changes a little bit across the nation, but the IHSA does have a guideline that basically if your wet bulb is above 89.9, no contests, no practices can um, happen. And then even in the orange zone, which I want to say it goes all the way up to like 84.5-ish, um, no new contest can start. So you can still practice with modifications, you just can't start a game. Yeah. So that's why you'll hear a lot about that, especially with football, mainly because football is the most equipment intensive. So they have all the stuff on that's going to make you even hotter. It's going to trap the heat inside the helmet, that sort of thing. So that's where we care. Um, I don't want to say we care more, but we care. It affects football more yeah. because of all the equipment. Yeah. Um, as a you know health expert, so to speak, what do you say to the old heads who say, we played football in hot weather. It, why are we doing this now to soften these kids up? Like, that's what you see on Facebook now. It's like, these kids should play. It's like, no, th- now that we know we can prevent that, why not? And, and it's all, it all goes, for me, back just to the prevention. Um, if it only, we know um, where we're at with liabilities and all of that, but even more so than liability, I look at it personally as, do we even want to risk one athlete getting, let's not even go to the extreme of a heat stroke and they pass away. Um, I don't even want to get to the point where we're at a heat illness to where they have to maybe go to the hospital to get fluids. Right. Why Why exert that when we don't have to? And we know now parameters on what you can and can't do. We're, we're like I said, we're smarter now than we've ever been. Why, why risk it? Especially if, if the same goes for everybody. You're not getting the athletic edge by going out and practicing in the heat when maybe that other school you're getting ready to play isn't practicing yeah. in the heat. You're both going to go out there Friday night and the heat's going to affect you both the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think it gives you an advantage. Um, I don't think there's any positives to going out and doing it. And we know that the risk is there and the the you know the reward's not worth it. Just like, I mean, as an example, the kid from Pittsfield that had the heat, whatever happened, when he was at ISU for that summer camp yeah. a couple years ago, yeah, that's and, right. you know, he almost passed away. Like, it was that serious where, um, thankfully, he's doing great now, but, I mean, 
that stuff does happen a lot. And to me, that even that, which where you say almost passed away, and that's where like I don't ever want to get to the extremes. I don't, you know, I don't even want to talk about that. Knock on wood. Uh, but I don't even want the heat illness. I don't want the heat cramps, which is a not life-threatening injury. Um, put you in the hospital. You spend a night or two in the hospital, and well, why? Um, so for me, it's just. It's all about the education. It's all about the buy-in. I know there's going to be people saying, you know, it feels, it feels great out here. Um, I hate to even to bring this up as well, but an analogy is like maybe you've had a drink or a two drinks on a Friday night, and you think, oh, I feel fine to drive. Well, we have numbers in place for a reason, right? Yeah. We know that you can't be over a certain number yeah. and drive or whatever. So I kind of see it as the same way. It's like it's all preventable, 100% yeah. preventable. Why wouldn't we follow this to be as safe as we can? Mm-hmm. And we're talking, you know. Us specifically, we're talking minors, student athletes, right. you know, under the age of 18 for the most part. Why, why not be as safe as we can? What um, What's your advice to kids about, you know, getting ready for a Friday night game where you know it's going to be that? Like, what do you do throughout the week? What do you tell them to eat, to drink, to kind of get ready? Because, I mean, these kids, they've been training for the last six weeks now. I mean, give or take, to where their, their bodies, I mean, physically are ready. But what do you tell them in terms of what they can do to eat, to drink, to, you know, prepare um, health-wise to get ready for a Friday night? My biggest piece of advice is it always starts well in advance. Um, like we talked about, football Friday is upon us. Um, it feels like it just snuck up on us, and right here we are, you know, nearly 48 hours away from the start of a game. Um, but you need to start well in advance. So start hydrating on Monday, you know. Um, be on the be as proactive as you can. You know, when you look at your urine, it should be clear. Um, you know, if, if it's the color of apple juice, you know you're doing something wrong. And you may think to yourself, okay, I'll, I'll be fine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll start drinking and I'll be ready for Friday. But it starts way well in advance of that. So do as much as you can as early as you can and just do it all the right way. You know, try and I joke about the energy drinks and I know they're popular. But even maybe on a week like this where we're going to be in, you know, the, the far warnings of heat index and, and wet bulb and all that, cut out the energy drinks even for a week um, and just do as you, much as you can to prep your body and take care of your body and get yourself as ready, you know, for Friday. Even when it comes to to eating, you know, try to get some of the fruits that have the, um, you know, the, the hydration part of it, the, the water intake, just to do everything you can to prep your body for, for that event because you're regardless of whether we're in the you know, the red, black levels of the wet bulb where we get all the way down and maybe we're still in the yellow, orange, it's still going to be hot. It's not like we're going from 100 and we're dropping down playing in 75-degree weather. So it's going to be hot either way. Um, and we know that there's probably going to be a high likelihood of, of cramps and that sort of thing. So just getting as prepped as you can for, for that game, that event. Right, and for 15-, 16-, 17-year-old kids, that's hard to, you know, understand. But, you know, I had the conversation with guys like Nick Broker a couple years ago where uh, – in a training camp where they start, you know, a boot camp, so to speak, that week, he's literally losing 10 to 12 pounds a day because you're sweating that much, because you're, go- I mean, you're burning that many calories. And, like, for football players, that's, I mean, soccer players, you're running the whole time. That's something that can be seriously, like, can sneak up on you you don't really realize. Yeah, and I think it's some of the education piece, but I saw something the other day, too. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but maybe an NFL quarterback that talks about, you know, building muscle and how much food it actually takes to build muscle when you're that elite and that sort of thing. And we're talking, like, 10,000 calories a day and how much that affects what you're doing. So, like, you know, some of these kids I talk to still don't eat breakfast in a given day, and they'll have just the school lunch. And the school, if you eat just the school lunch, even if you maybe have a snack on top of that and one bottle of water, that means you're dehydrated and you don't have enough calories in you to sustain getting through 
the heat right now, especially, but even a, fo- a normal football game or a normal soccer game or even volleyball. Um, so just what it takes to get to that level for preparation, I think, is is a little surprising for some people. Um, and so then, like you said, they just don't think about it and they take their energy drink, they eat their school lunch, and that's all they get for the day, yeah. which is you know detrimental. So um, Going back to your job specifically, what what's the hardest day of the year for you? Is it the first day of the basketball holiday tournament where you're there for 18, <laughs> 20 hours? Um, I've actually gotten really lucky that I've been able to split that. Um, there, so it's so hard for me to pinpoint the hardest day of the year. Um, you know, I break it down more so by seasons. Yeah. Um, football season is intense, and then you've got football, or you've got football, but you've got cross country, soccer, volleyball on top of it. And I think that's probably, especially at Williamsville, our most sport intensive season. Because mm-hmm. um, then in the winter, we get into mainly just the basketballs, riding, wrestling this year, and then the spring, um, not so much. You know, you've got less equipment intensive sports. So I would say just the always the start of that fall season that day one where you've got all the sports going at all the same time it's hot outside you're mentally prepping for you know anything to happen and all these new kids that I haven't necessarily met yet the freshmen that I may not know their names Um, so I would say for hardest probably those you know those are a lot of the long days too which again it's no one's fault but the heat's right now so we'll we'll blame mother nature but yesterday you know having like a 15-hour day because you're doing early morning practices and then we've got our, our daily commitments and then you've got a volleyball game at 7 p.m. So yeah. that gets a little wearing, but um, I would say kind of in general, probably that fall season is the most intensive, but um, I think it's all still good even if it's more wear and tear type stuff. I know you can't talk about it exactly, but what's the worst injury that you've seen? Um, I've been pretty blessed on that. Um, we've sent, you know, in, in my just in my, uh, this will be my 13th year as an athletic trainer. Um, I've sent a few by ambulance for some neck injuries, nothing major ended up, you know, everything ended up being That's got to be scary as hell. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so, it's so hard because you don't, and some of them were like a way athlete, so let's say it's a a JV football game or something, and it's a way athlete, and I'm the only athletic trainer on the sidelines, um, and you've got a kid holding his neck and he can't feel his arm. Um, Those are always scary. Um, Luckily for me, it's all worked out. Everyone, you know, know major injuries from that they go and they end up being fine everything works out um i've had a couple of crazy ones um a tip fit fracture so a soccer player um someone landed on her foot and you know her foot's going 180 degrees the different direction um at that time in my career i was helping out one of the colleges and she happened to be a foreign exchange student and didn't have the right insurance or something and so she was even more scared and didn't want to go to the hospital yeah. i'm like you've got to go to the hospital <laughs> yeah. your legs hanging off you know so Probably those in terms of like seriousness, yeah. um, but I've been blessed. I haven't had anything yeah. super crazy, and knock on wood, you know, it never happens. What's the most common thing that you have to deal with during, say, the fall season? In terms of injuries? Yeah. Um, probably a combination of ankle sprains and just kind of general knee pain. And I say general knee pain because between volleyball soccer football cross country even um you see it all so a lot of times like with the volleyballers um and we were joking about the other night calling volleyballers um (laughs) but it's patellar tendonitis so it's kind of that jumper's knee so um they they do so much jumping especially the hitters um that they get that patellar tendonitis um and then just in every sport the ankle sprains you know the volleyball girls will come down on another girl's foot or um, the football players will get stepped on or roll the wrong way or soccer, you know, they just go wrong trying to kick a ball. But 
Ankle sprain is probably number one, the yeah. most common. Um, and then just anything more so with the knee. Sometimes you'll get the shoulder right now with the volleyball girls too, and um, the football players like the linemen, they'll, they'll get pushed back or yeah. something. But yeah, I would probably say ankle sprain. What is your take on you know the talk with the NFL in terms of you know going away from turf when all these high schools around here are going to turf? Um, do you see that being an issue with you know younger athletes dealing with knee injuries and stuff like that, or is that something that people should keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. This will be our second season with turf, and I, um, even not from like a serious injury standpoint, I thought I would see a lot more turf burn. Um, so I was all prepped, and I had all my turf tapes and all this stuff, and then it turned out, and I've talked to a few of the other athletic trainers that have turf, and it was kind of like we expected a, a storm of turf burns, and it was like nothing really that bad. So yeah. um, I haven't seen <clears throat> myself anything yet that would account for like a turf type injury um so i haven't personally seen anything i know there's been talks about it in the nfl and how it's not um it, it causes more injuries that sort of thing but i haven't seen it yet so it'll be interesting to see how it kind of shakes out mm-hmm. um what's like you said you kind of settled in now at williamsville and uh you know having to drive from bloomington every like from your home what does that give you um time to kind of decompress because I kind of need that time too like after a game and stuff I'm sure it's the same with you where you know in a high intense situation you obviously care about these athletes you care about the coaches you care about your school um does that give you time to kind of like unwind as you kind of go home every day yeah it's it started out as I always say it's a blessing and a curse it started out more as a curse and it was like oh my gosh this drive is so brutal (laughs) it's very boring um, it's it is um the good thing about it is it's you know 55 is a straight shot and we live right off the interstate so it's a it's a straight shot from there to home but yes um I think it does help me decompress in a lot of ways and I found that um, I do. I've done it so long now that I can do it almost in my sleep. And so I sometimes just—it yeah. is, it is. I've never done it in my sleep. But <laughs> sometimes I just zone out, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm from point A to point B. Um, but it helps in a lot of ways because, like, it's you know, especially the the crazy games, or maybe you have a lot of injuries, um, whether it be you know whatever sport, and you can kind of think about things and walk through things before you actually have to walk through the door and you know deal with your home life. Um, so yeah, I. I at this point, I would love, you know, my wife and I have talked about potentially moving down here, especially having a young one. I think it'd be a lot of fun to be kind of growing up where, where we're working. But um, I love Bloomington Normal, um, and that drive is still worth it for me. Yeah. Um, before we get to a, a little bad conversation, I want to talk a little bit about Springfield Clinic and just kind of, you know, like you said, the, the ups and downs of your early career and how, you know, it was so uncertain. Um and so, obviously, people know Springfield Clinic's a sponsor of ours, and we love their support. Um, but, you know, I, I want to give you the chance to talk a little bit about, you know, the stability right now and how, you know, how important you guys are to the communities and how much you feel like that's going to help not only Springfield Clinic but also the communities in just kind of that sense because when coaches feel more comfortable, it's going to be easier. And when kids feel more comfortable, it's, it's got it's to be good for it. Like, to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, Springfield Clinic is phenomenal. It's it's bar none any place I've ever worked, and I I've worked a lot of different places. And the the thing that sets Springfield Clinic apart from other organizations that I've been with as an athletic trainer is the team approach, and I I mean that in the literal sense. And it's a physician-owned practice, and sometimes you think of like where you work. Maybe you don't have the best relationship with your boss, or you know if if there's an owner of the company sort of thing. Um, but at Springfield Clinic. 
we have such a great relationship with our physicians and it's from the top down from administration to the physicians that we work with and that can be across all specialties um it can be orthopedics it can be family practice it could be you know whoever um all the way down to like the physical therapists the athletic trainers and you would sometimes think that there's like your different clicks of like okay they talk over there we don't generally interact with the physicians but the nice thing about a lot of our team is we work in the clinics with the physicians on a daily basis so you get to know those docs on that standpoint then you get to know them outside of work and then you get to hang out with them at the football game and you know you develop that relationship and i think that's what sets it apart it's not like you ever have a a fear of talking to a doctor or making a mistake because they're always going to have your back and so I think that's what sets us apart is like when we're out in our communities, we like to be the liaison between our communities and Springfield Clinic. Um, so anything, I always tell everyone at Williamsville, anything you need, it doesn't have to be sports medicine related. It doesn't have to be orthopedic related. If you've forgotten what time an appointment is or you can't get through to your doctor or you're having an issue with your primary care provider, reach out to me because that's the team approach that we have is like just because I'm an athletic trainer in sports medicine doesn't mean I can't reach out to your primary care doctor and say, hey, I saw this person, this is what's going on, or, you know, the urgent care is is connected. And um, I'm blessed in the Williamsville-Sherman market that we have physical therapy and urgent care both in Sherman. So, like, it can be all kind of a a one-stop shop of you get injured, you're seen here, we set you up, get x-rays, get everything done, get you physical therapy there in town, and then I can still work with you at the school. Whereas sometimes maybe you're injured, you have to go in for physical therapy, I don't have that relationship with the physical therapist that you went to. We're not communicating. You're doing one thing with them, not telling me what you're doing with them, and then there's a lag of communication. And so, you know, me, my specific scenario, and I know it works the same way with our other athletes, our other athletic trainers in their communities, I can have that one-on-one, okay, I'm going to do this while they're here with me, but I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And it leads to, to shorter um, you know, loss of loss of time for the athlete. They get back quicker. You have better recoveries. Um, you know, maybe they don't have to have that second surgery in two years anymore because it was done the right way the first time. Um, so that's the edge, I think, of Springfield Clinic and the, the things that we're able to do from a team aspect. Okay, so as a person who stands by us a lot of times during games and hears what parents say to not only coaches but the just in general at games um now that you're a dad does that perspective change at all where you kind of understand where those parents are coming from not to say that you're going to do that but i got to start there what what is that like now that you're a dad knowing okay i kind of see where like i'll do anything for this kid it doesn't matter yes and no it's it's changed my perspective in both ways um number one my biggest thing is I don't ever want to be that person. Um, <laughs> yes, I, love, I love my son more than anything in the world, but I hope that I'm not one day telling a coach to, you know, yelling expletives at him or, you know, saying that my kid needs more playing time or yelling at the ref that they made a bad call because the way I see it, the refs are doing everything they can. Do they make bad calls occasionally? Yes, but I don't want them coming to my job and saying, hey, you should have looked at that knee better sort of thing. Um, so that was my biggest take. But yeah, the other thing in my son will start to get into swim lessons and that thing, a swim team, and yeah. move his way up into, you know, we want to give him all the experiences. So maybe one time, you know, I'll do I'll do anything for him at any time. So, yes, I, I think you become a little um, jaded, I think, lack of a better term. Maybe that's not the right term. But yeah. you, want, you want to see it through the lens of, okay, I'm his dad. I would do anything for him to succeed. But I always want to draw the line at, like, I don't ever want to make, you know, a scene. I don't ever want to yell at anybody. <laughs> and 
Um, and the one big nasty. Yeah, yeah. and I love uh, the thing that I love the most about Adam Euchre out at Williamsville is like those people that are screaming at the refs and stuff. He'll generally always say, "I have the IHSA is hiring referees. Here's a job application. If you think you can do it better, it's mm-hmm. like type of thing, which always seems to work." So. Oh, and by the way, you don't get paid nearly <laughs> enough for what they're doing. Right? So, yeah, yeah. and then you have to take this this lashing at the same time. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. So that that that's kind of the way that I've changed on that. But the main takeaway being like. Just don't ever want to be. I don't want my kid to be embarrassed that I'm causing a scene and so that sort of thing. So. Yeah, um, almost two. When does he turn two? He'll be two in November, November eighteenth. Okay. Yeah. So my mine turns to October first, and awesome. I remember that because um, I missed the Waynesville North Mac game that okay. week. Yeah. Was was the big one that week, and I was like, dang it, I'm gonna miss that. But <laughs> for good um, reasons. Well worth it. It was the right, worth it. The right um, reasons. Yeah. yeah. For you, November. I mean, that's almost that's playoff time. So that's got to be. We joked, we joked when he was born, uh, we didn't quite make it to the state championship that year, but we were joking, me and Aaron, that maybe Molly was going to have to come to the game and we were going to have to do everything we could to get to a hospital, wherever yeah. town we were playing or whatever, <laughs> but it all happened to work out. I think we literally lost the week before he was yeah. born, so worked it all worked out. He, 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 knew, he knew it was coming. Was yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, as a as a almost two-year-old, what is he into? What does he enjoy that, that makes you happy right now? Um, just in... You know it. Everyone that's got a kid knows it. The personality change, um, and there's so much. I've had so much fun through the whole process. Like I said, he's our only, our only kid. Um, but getting in the early stages where they're just kind of laying in your arms, they're eating and drinking, and that's all they're doing. But now he's got that personality. He's saying more stuff, and like he'll just throw a random word at me and Molly, and we're like, "Where did that come from?" And like, the Are you way, listening to me? Yeah, and like the way that he says things, and like everything he's into right now is just so much fun to him, and he sees that. And like I'm having fun just yeah. seeing him have fun, and coming to, um, he loves coming to the games, and like getting to enjoy that time with him, and. Um, you know, going to the swimming pool and stuff all summer and the vacations and that sort of thing and having him have fun with his friends, like, that's fun to see, but then even just being at some of the games, too, and he just is having a blast on the football sidelines or at a a volleyball game or something. It's just a ton of fun. I don't know if this is because I had a girl first and she's older and, you know, now it's kind of a second kid thing, but, um, you know, being the first boy, I don't know if this is true or not, but, like, right now he's at the stage where he does the craziest thing. Like, he tries to hurt himself. Yes. I don't know if yours is that way too, but he will literally go and climb up on the couch by himself when we're not in there and then just jump off and be like, I'll walk in right as he's about to jump off and, yep. like, and he just screams and does it. And I've seen him so many times go down the stairs, like I say the right way, his way he'll go on his belly and Turn kind of slide yeah, yeah. down. Um, but lately he's just been thinking he can walk off and he'll <laughs> like, he tumble down the stairs luckily at my, my in-law's house where they have carpeted stairs so it all worked <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, we have a like a three foot ottoman, probably two foot ottoman maybe. He'll climb up on it and he does what we call butt busters and he'll yeah. get up there and he thinks it's funny just to fall and you know he gets to the edge every time so yeah he's doing all those crazy things and he wants to grab all the steak knives and all the things so yeah yeah he's um, doing all the crazy stuff. we sort of discussed it as we were coming in but we'll you know wrap it up with this the conversation of oh you know when they're when they're at this age right now like our jobs are pretty good because there's you can spend time with them um kind of during the day and, and see them you know see them do those things I never want to go through COVID again, but at the same time, I got to see my daughter so much and, and see so many things that I never would have got to if I would have had a normal job or a nine-to-five job or, you know, even if we would have had games then. Like, I, I, it was such a blessing to be able to see her grow up and, and kind of, like you said, the changes that happen, you know, just in a matter of a week is, is crazy sometimes. Um, and so, you know, obviously there's bad parts of your job. You have to be away on a Friday night and don't get to enjoy that, but... Um, what is it like 
being able to spend time with him. And that's the nice thing about, you know, our, our jobs as athletic trainers is, and I say the nice thing, some people probably wouldn't see it this way, but like it's a lot of the second shift type thing. So we're generally there after school hours, taking care of the athletes, doing all that stuff, and then staying for the games, which can be hard. And now, you know, I, I've kind of morphed into this role as the manager of the department. So I go into the, the office a little more than I had before, but I still like to take my mornings um, to where I can just spend that one-on-one time with him. And you know, we've got the museum memberships and the zoo memberships and getting to do all that stuff during the day where, like you said, if you work that normal eight to five, maybe you don't see him for that and you're not able to experience. You come home, eat dinner, and they're going to bed. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. So it's, that's the, the things that I still love the most about everything that I'm able to do. I can meet all my obligations um, to my team and to, to Williamsville and everything and still have that time with him. It's bar not it's it's so much fun now you know like you said some of that might change once they get to school age but um that's the part that i i revel the most right now is just spending that time with him and getting those mornings to where we can do our thing well i still think you know the flexibility of you know having the chance to say hey you know they're going on a field trip or whatever can i i'm going with them or you know just the chance to take them to school yeah. you know eat, see them wake up eat breakfast and like you said in the mornings it's you know, you, you, we still get a little bit of that cuddle time where he'll, he'll do it for about half an hour <laughs> before he turns into a psychopath. Yes, right, <laughs> but yeah. there's still that little bit where he'll be like, yeah, I just want to drink my milk and watch Miss Rachel and the that's calm it. Before like, the storm. Yeah. Yeah. The calm before the storm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, my wife and I were joking that for whatever reason, he doesn't like to get dressed right now. But if you catch him in the right moment, right out, outside of picking him up out of his bed, he'll be like, oh yeah, get me dressed. So then we spend that time and then, you know, we kind of hang out, hang watch tv or whatever for a few minutes and then it's off to the races yeah. but yeah that's that's the best time yeah i mean speaking of boys and how hot it is right now like um my my brother has um his son was born six days after um mason so oh, nice. they're literally like yeah people think they're twins almost yeah. um but every time you know we get together on a saturday night and have dinner and whatever well they'll both come running out of the playroom with no just a diaper on because it's like they don't they don't want to wear clothes like yeah. so they just run around just you know basically naked things. and that's it yeah. like so and that's awesome so he's got a, he's got a cousin but he's also got a best friend yeah the same i mean age, so that they are, just they're just tear the house down together yeah and and parker just turned four and she literally is like their mother yeah. where they'll be screaming their heads off but she'll literally say sit do this and they literally will like they be like dogs it. and just hey, drop and do it it's go. crazy that's but awesome it's a funny thing so cool. awesome man thanks for your time i appreciate it i know you uh right now like you said it's it's a crazy busy time so i appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you at a lot of games thanks for having me appreciate it it's fun thanks to kurt for his time and insight great conversation from a great guy hope to talk to him more That's it for this week. Stay cool. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.